Can we give that awesome um, praise and worship team a round of applause? Because, like, I think we have the best praise and worship team in South Florida. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Man, it feels like yesterday. I was just sitting there. My mother was like, aren't you a graduate? Didn't you just graduate from seminary? I'm like, yes, I did. I forgot, Mom. Yeah, so can you clap for me a little bit? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Can we stand and pray? Even so, come, Lord. Come. Today, Father, as the word is given, it is my prayer that no flesh and no man gets the glory, God. That all the glory goes to you, Lord. Father God, as we come to this place, Father God, we pray not only for our church, but for every church across South Florida, every church in the nation, every church in the world, for every Christian right now, for every unbeliever, Father, who stands in the, in the doors of a church, Father God, that they are touched, that you come. Open up their eyes their heart to see you, O oh Lord. Father, let your, your word penetrate them and transform them, Father. We pray that today, Father God, that you help us. Help. Help us see you, God. We pray for our graduates, Lord, that they make a decision to walk in purpose, the purpose you have called them to. We pray this and more. Let God's church say amen. Amen. Yes, living in light. Oh, you maybe said it. I'm sorry. I'm so impolite sometimes. Mom, don't get mad at me. But um, living in light of eternity. Yeah. May and June are some of the busiest months for students and parents. Many of us attend graduations, and, 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 we, and we tend to celebrate the milestones of those we love most. This is the season where many ask the questions like, what do I do with my life? What's next? What's my purpose? Pastor, what's the next chapter in my life? Maybe for you, you aren't asking these questions. Maybe you are at a point in your life where you're just trying to discover your purpose. Perhaps you're done with school. Like Pastor said, for some of us, we still are in school. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're an empty nester and you're like, yes, the kids are gone. I can celebrate. It's time to live life. But then you stop. And you, and you ultimately ask yourself, what now? Yeah, what now? At some point or another, we are all faced with this daunting question. What am I on earth for? What's my bigger purpose? Today, my goal, I hope to help you discover that purpose. I hope to help you live out and discover God's purpose for your life. Many Christians, the problem is this, many Christians attempt to see life through the same lenses of unbelievers. The here and now. Let me warn you, Christian, when you adopt the expectations of the world, it negatively affects your behavior on earth. It affects the way you walk. It affects the way you talk. I have learned that what you focus on today will shape your life tomorrow. How you walk, your walk with Christ tomorrow ultimately shape your life eternal. My desire is for you to make a radical shift from where you're at today to walk in a purpose where God designed for you to be tomorrow. Yeah, you can clap for that if you want to. But the, 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 the principle I'm sharing with you today is really simple. When we intentionally focus on eternity, my young people need you to understand something. We intentionally walk in God's purpose on earth. But when you focus on the temporal things, you fail to live out God's purpose on earth. I believe life has shown us when you walk with a destination in mind, 
you walk with purpose. But I'm afraid that many of us aren't focused on our purpose. We're focused on the things. We're focused on the people. So we find ourselves walking in so many directions. God said, I want you to walk here, but we're walking here. But some of us, we're still walking in our past. And God was like, I haven't designed you to walk in your past. I designed you to walk in your future. You can say amen to that. Because that's the truth. That's our God. So God's telling us, listen, I need you to understand something, Christian. Your purpose starts with God, and one day it will end with God. And apart from God, there's no purpose. Life has no purpose if you're not abiding in God. Yeah, that's the truth. Christians, we must understand that purpose is in God and God alone. God did not create you for a good job. <laughs> yeah, I love the amens. Last service wasn't as energetic. I love this service, by the way. I'm getting excited already. Yes, thank you for 1030. But God did not, not create you to graduate from school. He didn't create you to be a millionaire, young people. He didn't create you to be a nice basketball player. He didn't create you to be famous. He didn't create you for the American dream. Now, don't get me wrong. These things are okay when they're used to glorify the kingdom. When, when they're used to glorify Jesus. When they're used to impact the kingdom. They're good. They're purposeful, right? But God designed you to glorify him. God designed you to worship him. He designed you to live life eternal with him. He purposed you to live a life that pleased him. When that becomes your purpose, everything you do becomes purposeful. Matthew 6 verse 30 tells us this, but seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be given to you. Listen, listen, listen. I, I need you to hear something. Life has never been about your pursuit of happiness. It has always been about your pursuit of Jesus. That's, why, that's what he designed you for. He designed you to pursue him, not things and not people. But sometimes I think we, got, we have, have got confused with the world and what the world tells us to pursue. So the question now you're asking me is, Pastor, how do I walk in purpose? Many Christians, I'm afraid, and I see it every day, many Christians live life ruled by the world's perspective, always focused on their short time on earth, losing focus on what matters most. I'm afraid that Christians have spiritual amnesia. Yeah, yeah, Pastor, you're hitting me now. You're throwing rocks at me, right? You have spiritual amnesia. We come to church on Sunday, we glorify God, we praise God, but on Monday it's all about work. Yeah. Pastor, you don't understand, though. I have a project due Tuesday. God, I'm concerned with that. Then we have Tuesday come. Oh, the kids got to have soccer. Oh, man. Then Wednesday come, for some of you, maybe it's Bible study. Maybe you get a little bit of Jesus. They come back Thursday. The wife is nagging the husband. Then Friday, we put Jesus in a box, and God says, I'm not designed for a box. I'm designed for your life. Yeah. This is our problem. We focus, and by the way, this is only the introduction, all right? So they're like, no, this is the introduction. We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. Hold on tight. Focus on Christ and not self. Don't forget what God has designed you for. Everything we do on earth should be motivated by our preparation for eternity. Everything we do on earth is motivated for our preparation in eternity. Today, we will look at purpose, and today we will learn how to live a purposeful life through the eyes of Paul. Having, and I'm going to say this, having a proper view of eternity drastically changes the way you walk on earth. It drastically, in Scripture, we see it drastically affected the Apostle Paul's life. And the Apostle Paul is a perfect example of living life in light of eternity. I ask you this question, Christian. 
what life are you looking at life through? The lenses of the temporal or the lenses of eternity? So let us pray. Father, help. Help us. Help us see you. Help us see eternity and not the temporal. Help us live our purpose in you and glorify you and worship you, God. Be the apple of our eye. Be the center of our lives. And most importantly, be the center of your church. Amen. Second Corinthians 5, verse 5 to 10 says this. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared you for this very thing is God. He has given you the spirit as a guarantee. So we, us, Christian, you are always of good courage. For you know that while we are at at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by, for we walk by, yeah, you walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. First point of many, life is temporary. Eternity is forever. Life is temporary. Eternity is forever. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5 tells us, for we know that this tent that is our earthly, if it is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, but internal in the heavens. Since we're looking through the eyes, life through the eyes of Paul, I think it's important that I point out Paul lived life like a visitor. He was a heavenly citizen. Do you really believe that you are not of this world? Do you believe that this body that you live in in earth is a tent? Earlier I pointed out that believing is behaving. What you believe shows how you live. I believe if we believed the world was temporary, we would live like it's temporary. But I'm afraid for some of us, that's not the case. But if that was the case for many of us, we would live like this world is temporary. But instead, we live like this world is forever. Unlike many of us, Paul had the right perspective. He knew that the life on earth was temporary and that eternity was forever. He didn't allow himself to get comfortable. Paul lived life out of a suitcase. Everyone say focus. He was focused on eternity. He had an end goal in mind. He did everything in his power to get there. Second Corinthians, I mean, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 25, he says, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. He says that everyone who knows Christ takes this seriously. They do it to get a crown. They, as in unbelievers, do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, Christians, we do it for a crown that lasts forever. Therefore, we do not run aimlessly like unbelievers. I didn't say that, but that's how I feel. We don't. He passes, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what's the prize? Eternity. You got it. Want to come preach? Come preach, girl. You got it. Preach. All right. Eternity. 
He believed so much in eternity that he spent his life preparing for the crowns that will last forever. If we understood that life was temporary and crisis forever, we would spend more time investing in eternity than we spend investing in self and the things that's temporal. Scripture is clear on wasting our life. Scripture tells us this in Matthew 6. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Right? He says, don't. So he says, listen, wake up. Stop treasuring things. Treasure me. Because he says, listen, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven with moths and vermin. These are the words of Jesus, not Paul. All right? Vermins do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is. Hmm. I don't even got to preach on this one. For where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. Christian, house your hearts. Yeah. It's so, for, it's so easy for us to treasure things that don't matter when our treasures are in heaven. Our heart and eyes should be fixed upon the Lord and not the treasures of this world. It is so possible for us, and it is possible for us, and I say it every day, that we fall in love with things and not Christ. And Paul says, listen, Christian, warning, wake up. And he says that in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, fix your eyes, focus, have laser focus, know your end goal, know eternity, know where you're going, because the things that are seen is temporary. It goes, it fades away. But what is unseen is eternal. Yeah, preach, it's eternal. Christian, Fix your eyes. Wake up. Don't spend your life chasing things and nothingness. You can't take the things of the world with you. I said this last service. Mike, thanks for that. Um, I said this last service. I said that we never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Right? We don't see that, right? Why spend your time wasting your life on things that don't matter? If we truly believe we're heavenly citizens, our life would be different. Let me tell you how. Check this out. If we believe we were heavenly citizens... We will spend more time giving instead of hoarding. We will spend more time with the Lord than we spend in front of the TV. We will spend more time in church rather than partying. We will spend more time loving than hating. We will rejoice more than complaining more. We will invest in eternal more than we do the temporary. Why? Because earth is not our home. We are heavenly citizens. Yeah, we are heavenly citizens. Point two, life is temporary, eternity is forever. Can you say that with me? Life is temporary, eternity is forever. Second Corinthians 5 verse 4 says this, For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up for life. Paul understood something. He, he understood that he was a heavenly citizen, so he walked like it. He lived out of a suitcase. Secondly, Paul lived life in anticipation. He lived life with faith on his chest. Paul's groaning was a product of faith. It wasn't a product of his pain. It wasn't a product of his struggle. It's like a man that goes to run a marathon. Everybody knows that life is a marathon, right? I don't got to preach that another sermon, right? Say that for next week, right? Probably some other week. But listen, but we, Paul understood that life was a marathon, so he ran this race, right? He ran this race, and on the last ball, he says, listen, I'm groaning. I'm so, uh, I want to be with the Lord, so I'm going to run to the finish line, and that's what I'm focused on. I'm not focused on things. I'm not focused on people. I'm not focused on my situation. I know that I want to cross the finish line. I want to hear, well done, my faithful servant. It's race, and Paul was excited, and Paul was just running. He's running, and I'm afraid that sometime in the race, 
our focus is not on the finish line. It's, it's here sometimes. We lose focus. It's here. And God says, finish the race. It wasn't a groaning to, God, I'm groaning because I'm going through a situation. I need you to take the pain away. Pastor, I ain't worrying about the pain. I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I was hungry. I starved. I didn't have much. I had a lot. But I know what it was for the sake of knowing Christ, for the sake of making it to the finish line. He groaned. Our, our anticipation for the Lord makes it easier for us to get through the daily struggles of life. It's called the faith factor. The faith factor. The faith factor. Do you have the faith factor? Hebrews 11 one says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So what is it that we hope for? To be with the Lord. So what is the evidence of things not seen? God at work in our life. Paul shows us that the eternal perspective is a true evidence, an indicator of our faith. A true, the true evidence of spiritual maturity. As believers, we should eagerly and desperately long to be with the Lord. I mean, my mom says this sometimes, and it gives me goosebumps, and it makes me sad, but she says, honey, I'm satisfied with where you're at. She says, well, right now, I'm just waiting to be with the Lord. I said, mom, don't say that. You have grandchildren. She said, no, seriously, honey, you don't understand. As I'm here, I'm going to love you and love my grandchildren, but honestly, my ultimate joy right now is to be with the Lord. She tells me that daily. And that should be our attitude. I want to be with the Lord. We must understand that as believers, we can't afford to let our troubles and comfort dictate the way we live. But we must allow our faith to dictate our struggles and our comfort. Second Corinthians says this, Paul says, so we are always of good courage. In other words, we are always happy. We are always joyful. We know that while we are at home, within the body, while we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by and not by, that's what Paul says. And the question I ask you today is, are you always of good courage? In other words, if you don't understand the good courage part, are you always happy? Again, let me remind you, Christian, that your happiness is not dependent on things. It's not dependent on people. It's not dependent on situation. Your happiness is dependent on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. On this solid rock I stand. On this solid rock I have joy because Jesus is the source of our happiness. Christians should be the happiest people in the world. We should be the happiest people in the world, and it's sad because we're not. We complain the most. Well, we leave the worst tips in restaurants. Oh, man, let me, let me get there. But for some of us, some of us, some of us. I used to be a server, by the way, and I just had to get that out and express my frustration. But I love Christians, though. I love you guys. But we are supposed to be happy. Unbelievers don't have that luxury because... They believe that life is only the here and now. Paul walked by faith and not by sight. He understood that every, he, he understood and saw everything through the eternal perspective. Christian, let me remind you that we walk by faith and not by sight. Scripture tells us clearly in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. This is scripture. This is not what Barnabas said. This is not my opinion. This is what scripture says. 
In other words, while you're here on earth, you should not allow what you see or experience to dictate how you walk. Paul tells us whether you're at home or whether you're here with the Lord or whether you're at work or whether you're having a bad marriage or whether you feel like the life is just going down the drain, your aim is to please him. Yeah. By the way, that's the purpose factor. You know the faith fact, this is the pur- your purpose is in pleasing the Lord. Our purpose is to please God. When we walk in light of eternity, we walk in the life that please God. We are called to share in Paul's hope. We are called to share in Paul's confidence. And we're also kept, um, called to share in Paul's suffering. We live life in anticipation of the next life. We don't allow earth or things or people to dictate our life here on earth. Point three is just like point one and two. And it's a little side note. I'm going to give you a little side story. Last night, I came in. I love the practice. My mother always told me that preparation, if you prepare, no, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. She always told me that as a kid, always prepare, always prepare. So I find myself preparing like a thousand times. And my wife tells me, honey, it's good enough. Relax. I don't want to hear a sermon. I'm not going to come to church Sunday. I'm like, honey, just listen. So my son hears my sermons now. My son is the victim. I'm sorry, son. He's somewhere over there, Jaden. So, so Jaden is my, is my chosen victim. Last night, we went over the sermon. He says that. Your point one and point two and point three are the same. Something's wrong. I said, I said, son, nothing's wrong. The things that's wrong is we tend to forget that life is temporary, eternity is forever, and sometimes one point is enough. We'll need a thousand times. I don't need to give you a thousand points when you walk. Because the majority of times we come to church, we hear three points, we get energetic, and we leave and we forget them. You can't forget this. Because this is the game changer. And I believe when you understand that life is temporary, eternity is forever, it changes your life. Paul understood that. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, we see that Paul said, so for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That word is Bama. It's not the same judgments that unbeliever faces, which is criterion, it's Bama. Meaning that we face this judgment, we run this thing, this marathon, every Christian finish the race, and we go to eternity, but God will judge us based on our works and our deeds, and they give us first, second, or third place. Do you want first, second, or third place, so no reward? So he says this, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Life is a test. Paul understood that. Paul treated life like a test. The life you live today, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again, Christian. Write it in your notes, write it in your brain, put it on your iPhone, put it on your Facebook. Make sure you tag me. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> write it down because life is a test. You need to understand, I said, that if you, the life you live today will ultimately determine your life you live in eternity. The problem is with so many Christians, we look at the things now. We look at the things we want now. We look at the life now and we make that our focus. Paul did everything in light of eternity. Eternity was more important than the temporary. When we walk by faith, we focus on the unseen reward. We don't focus on the reward that we receive here on earth. We don't focus on the rewards that the believers treasure. We have a different treasure that unbelievers can't see in the unseen, and that is Jesus Christ. Let me help you understand something. Your salvation gets you there to eternity. But how we choose to live on this earth determines our eternal experience after judgment. Ephesians 2 verse 89 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no man can what? Can boast, yeah. So while we know that our works will not be the determining factor in a Christian receiving salvation, I'm going to give you a little sermon on the side. We know that it's a clear indicator of a person's faith in God, because believing is behaving, and Scripture tells us that we know a tree by its 
by his fruit, right? That's a side note. So now we got the hard stuff out the way. Let me bring us back to our point. I must emphasize that we will all face judgment, and Christ will reward you about how you live on earth. That's right. Grace does not free a Christian from the requirement of obedience to Christ. It doesn't. But And grace is not a license to sin. That is not what I'm communicating. Just because you're going to make it to eternity and cross the finish line doesn't mean that we must not remain faithful today. For, for Corinthians says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bama seat, that each one may receive, so one, each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Scripture is clear that we will have to give an account for how we lived in these bodies. Yeah, Christian. Every word, every deed, every action. Yeah, you got to answer to God. Paul understood that, so he treated life like a test. Always walking in the light of eternity. And here's, and, and here's the thing. This test is a test we can't cheat. The many of us are, are graduating from school, and we've cheated tests before. Who cheated on a test before? I want to see this. Oh, the truth coming out, sinners. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, I'm joking. Get fired tomorrow. Probably like, Barnabas, you have to go. <laughs> no, but... It's a test that we can't cheat. When we understand and live life like a test, we are conscious of our behavior because we know we will be evaluated based on God's perspective. It's amazing how kids go to school and they focus and they study, but when it comes to Christ, they don't care about the test. Ooh, yeah. This is the final exam. Are you going to live up to it? The fact that we will meet Jesus should inspire peace and joy and happiness. Good or you're doing bad? Point number one. What's point number one? Someone help me out. And, yeah, yeah, I like that. You learn it. You learn that. Up. This is school, y'all. This is school. This is the best school of your life. Enjoy it. It's free. All right, because I have loans. I'm struggling. Um, two, what's the second point? All right, point number three. Y'all getting it? It's sticking. It's sticking. I like it. Point number four, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to switch it up the game a little bit on you, just a little bit. To live is Christ. Eternity is gain. Paul understood that. To live is Christ. Eternity is gain. Philippians 1.21, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The only thing that holds true value for the Christian is living a life that is pleasing to Christ on earth. Side note, point number two, being with the Lord is even better. Paul counted all things as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and meet him again in heaven. Are you counting all things as loss? Are you living a sacrificial life? Paul didn't waste his time chasing things or people because he knew that the reward in heaven had the highest eternal value. He says this. He says, what is more? I consider everything. He says some things are everything. Everything, right? I consider everything a loss because of the surprising worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them what? Garbage. They mean nothing to me. They're garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul knew where he was going. He knew his final destination, so he spent his whole entire life getting there. This should be our life scripture. This should be how we live. This should be our purpose. This should be our focus, because our purpose is found in Christ and Christ alone. You can afford to forsake and trade in your eternal reward for the nice car, for the nice job, for the best relationship, 
the best marriage. Pastor, you don't understand. My wife is everything. If she's not happy, my life is going down. No, I don't understand because Christ is our source of joy and happiness. I don't understand that. So if we're not seeking Christ, all else is going to fall. So the first question I ask, whenever I counsel an individual and they tell me, Pastor, I'm going through problems, the first thing I ask them is this. Are you seeking Christ? How's your quiet time with the Lord? How's your prayer life? Pastor, you don't understand. I got a lot going on. I really don't have time. There's your problem. Bingo. Because the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. It reminds us, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. Not some things. Jesus is the means of our end. Jesus is why we live and what we look forward to. He is Alpha. He is Omega. Jesus is all we need. Yeah, you clap for that. You get excited. That's Jesus. We must spend our whole life walking in the light of eternity, knowing that eternity is what matters most. One day hearing, well done, my faithful servant. Paul tells us this. The one thing, brothers and sisters... Brothers and sisters, I focus. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. That's eternity and the prize and the reward. But one thing I do is forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. I press on to win the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Everybody say focus. He was focused on the prize. He wasn't interested in anything the world had to offer. Again, if you know Paul the way I know Paul, He had everything before he came to Christ. He had popularity. He had fame. He had the social prestige. He had the money. Everybody loved him, but he had an encounter. That encounter changed everything. It changed his taste. It changed his desire. Have your, did your encounter change your taste and your desires, or or do you have the same taste you had before you came to Christ? Hmm. Bible says examine yourself. I'm going to say examine yourself. What's your focus? What do you want? What do you desire? Again, eternity is forever and true gain while earth is temporary in a test. So the question remains, how do we walk in the light of eternity? All right, this is not, Mike, I'm sorry, I apologize. Mike told me today at the end of service, last service, I was trying to do this rope thing. It took me forever to get it out. It killed like 10 minutes. So he said, I'm going to fix it for you today. Perfect. I messed it up. That's like me. Um, So... Quick story, I went to Home Depot yesterday, and I tell the guy, I said, listen, sir, I have this great sermon illustration, right? I need your help. He says, okay, sir, I'll be glad to help you. It wasn't like Lowe's. I love Lowe's, much better service. But this is not an advertisement, by the way. Um, So I go, and I go to purchase this rope. I'm like, sir, I need some rope. He said, okay, so sir, can you tell me what the rope is for? I said, wait for it. Let me give you some church. I need a rope that symbolizes life. He said, okay. But I said, but you understand, I also need a rope to symbolize eternity. He said, that's impossible. We don't have enough rope for that. I said, I know. So give me as long as you could give me. And he gave me this. But with that being said, I want, because I'm a youth pastor, our kids need illustrations sometimes to get the point. Sometimes I feel like a dose needs it too. So um, Paul understood this. Paul understood this was life. And as I live this life, I'm a visitor. This means nothing to me. This piece of rope is only... 2% of eternity, not even. So according to God, eternity is forever. So your life on earth is actually 0.00000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
And Paul understood that. So he lived, he lived his whole life living for this part of the rope. He wasn't concerned with this. He was concerned with this. He lived life as a visitor. Secondly, he lived life in anticipation. So he wasn't worried about the nice car. He wasn't worried about the nice house. He wasn't worried about graduation. He wasn't about worried about retirement. It amazes me. We live our whole life for retirement to save for our pensions, and we just die in two years, three years. Yikes. We spend 25, 30 years, 40, 50 years living for this one point in life to play golf on the golf course, and then we just die, and we forget to live for this. We forget this. We forget all of this. We live life. We forget eternity, that it goes on and on. We forget to live for this, and he lived life like it's a test. He says, so as long as I live in this body, I count all of this as loss. This is the test, and this is the final. Christian, are you going to pass the test? Are you going to receive the reward? I'm confident that if we ask Paul a question today, we ask Paul, tell me three things to help me live this life, light of eternity. He will say, forget what's behind and focus what's in front. Stop killing yourself to live your best life yet now. That's Joel Osteen. Yeah, but Jesus says this, this is not your best life yet. Your best life yet is soon to come. That's Jesus. Y'all should clap for that. Because Jesus said, stop worrying about living your best life yet, because your best life is soon to come. Focus. Then Paul will tell you, secondly, I need you to strain towards the goal of what's ahead, eternity, and make that your focus. Make that your destination. Then thirdly, he'll say, everybody say press. He'll say, just press towards the goal. He'll say press. Sister, I know life gets hard sometimes. I know we go through struggles, and, and school beats us up. Life beats us up, but Paul tells us, just press. Just press towards the goal. When life gets hard and you feel like giving up, just press. If you're having a boyfriend problems right now, just press. Whatever you're going through, I don't want to get married, just press. That's what he says, sister. That's what he told. That's what, that's, what, that's what Paul says, just press. That's what Jesus says, just press. So today, I leave you. I'm not with the three points here. I leave you at this point. Forget what is behind. Straight toward what is ahead. And press towards the goal. Thank you. So let us pray. Let us pray. Dear God, can we stand for a second? Can we just stand? Can we touch and agree? Hold your neighbor hand. Be only a second. Touch your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. I love you. Don't make this weird. (laughs) So let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this time of worship. And praising you. God, help us. Help us live in light of eternity. I pray right now, God, that someone is going to transform the unbeliever, that they see you and run to you, and the believer, that they run to you even more, God. Thank you for what you have done today. We pray that your name gets all the glory, that, Lord, that we focus on you, and you help us to achieve that reward. In your wonderful, glorious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you.